Amen. Uh, if you don't have a new Sunday school lesson, uh, lesson 13, our last lesson uh, in uh, our series on Peter, uh, the education of a disciple, and our last uh, opportunity, uh, last session with our last lesson. Uh, we're going to be starting a new series uh, on prayer starting next week. I hope you'll be here for that. Plan on uh, being here for every Sunday. Uh, but we're going to look at Lesson 13, a lesson on consistency today. And to turn to Acts, um, actually let's turn to Galatians today, Galatians chapter 2. We'll start there this morning, uh, the book of Galatians chapter number 2. And we'll look at verses 11 through 14 this morning. Anyone else need a lesson this morning? Make sure everybody has a, a Sunday school lesson. Here on the front, Brother Jerry's. Daryl needs one. Anyone else we've missed that we can help? All right, look in your Bibles there with me at the book of Galatians. Chapter 2, we'll start in verse 11. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face, because he was to be blamed, for before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them uh, which were of the circumcision. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said to Peter before them all, If thou, being a Jew, livest after this manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? Let's pray together. Uh, Lord, I thank you for the many wonderful lessons that we can learn uh, from the life of Peter. Lord, I thank you that Peter, just like us, was a man of flesh. Lord, the only perfect man that we find in the Bible, the only perfect man we find from creation until now is Jesus Christ, God in the flesh. Lord, how exciting it is that you want to use us, flawed individuals made of flesh. Lord, you want us to learn, you want us to grow, you want us to go forward. And Lord, as we focus this morning on this lesson on consistency, Lord, something we all struggle with. Lord, something that even Peter struggled with later in life. Lord, I pray that we would learn this lesson as Peter had to learn it. Lord, I pray you'd help us to be consistent in our walk with you. Help us to be consistent in our testimony. Help us to be consistent in our love. Lord, you tell us if we love you to keep your commandments. Lord, help us to have consistency in our walk. Uh, bless us now and help us. Help us to show forth the grace of the lovely Lord. In your precious name we pray. Amen. We see later here in Peter's life, we could look in Acts chapter 10. Uh, we could look in Acts chapter 11 at events that record uh, this passage that we're reminded of in the book of Galatians. And Peter's education or his growth did not stop after Jesus said to him by the seashore, uh, Peter, feed my sheep, Peter, feed my lambs. 
rather, as Peter served the Lord, there were some times that he struggled. And I believe the Lord gave us this passage as a reminder that we all need to continuously be growing and correcting, if you will. Uh, we see uh, Peter, the last thing we're going to focus on here in this lesson, uh, number one, uh, if we turn back, and I want to ask you to this morning, but in Acts chapter 10, verses 1 through 48, we see Peter being cooperative. Number one in your notes, Peter being cooperative. Uh, initially, when it, in regards to the Gentiles, Peter did exactly what God wanted him to do. Uh, we see that happening. 2 Timothy 3.14, But continue thou in the things which thou hast learned and hast been assured of, knowing of whom thou hast learned them. 1 Timothy 4.16, Take heed unto thyself and unto the doctrine. Continue in them, for in doing this thou shalt both save thyself and them that hear thee. Peter had learned some difficult lessons uh, in his life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Uh, he had grown. Uh, he had struggled. He had failed. And uh, we all uh, are in that same boat as followers of Christ. Uh, Peter would lift up his voice at Pentecost and preach the gospel. Uh, Peter, uh, who in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, uh, would bring healing to that lame man at the temple. Uh, Peter's the one who told the scribes, and the, <coughs> excuse me, <coughs> the rulers there at the temple, uh, that they had crucified Jesus, they had murdered him, basically, uh, was the word that Peter had given them. Uh, Peter, uh, who had spoken when uh, we see so many wonderful things happening, uh, Peter had filled, the Bible says, Jerusalem with the doctrine of Christ. And how wonderful that is. But can I tell you still yet, Peter struggled in this area of consistency. However, he began in cooperation with uh, God's purpose and God's plan. Uh, letter A, if you'll turn back to the book of Acts with me, Acts in chapter number 10. And we won't read the passage here. We did a couple weeks ago. But Acts chapter 10, the entire passage, we see his evangelization of the Gentiles. God called him. After receiving a vision of the Lord, and we shared this, how that vision came down and uh, God showed him that everything was clean. If God said it was clean and God would send him to go uh, to preach the gospel. Uh, in verse 34, the Bible says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said of a truth, I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. Peter gets it. Peter has an aha moment. Peter says, oh, I guess it's okay that I give the gospel to the Gentiles. And how many of you are glad that that's true? I know I'm sure glad that's true today. Uh, Peter had that moment of, man, I'm glad. Uh, he, he shared the gospel uh, there. Peter had an attitude adjustment from the Lord. Uh, oftentimes, the Lord gives us attitude adjustments. Uh, Peter had so many attitude adjustments. He was like a dear friend of mine uh, who told me uh, once in Bible college, he said, God has changed my life so many times, I don't know who I am anymore. I think Peter had that problem. Peter had uh, been reprimanded and changed so many times. 
We need to realize that God still is no respecter of persons. Peter understood that. He began uh, in his evangelization of the Gentiles here in Acts chapter 10. John 6 verse 44 says, No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I raise him up in the last day. Now, if we think about the passage in 1 Corinthians where God is speaking about all of us and our position in Christ and our uh, acceptance of who we are, Peter said, I, I perceive that uh, God's no respecter of persons. Uh, God gave to Paul to pen the first Corinthian, uh, the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 5. Who then is Paul? Who is Apollos? But ministers by whom ye believed, even as the Lord gave to every man. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So neither is he that planteth anything, neither is he that watereth, but God that giveth the increase. Now he that planteth and he that watereth are one, and every man shall receive his own reward according to his own labor, for we are laborers together with God. Ye are God's husbandry, ye are God's building. And can I tell you that what God used to change the life of the Gentiles is the same thing he used uh, for the Jews, and that, of course, is the gospel. The power of the gospel to transform. The power of the gospel to regenerate. Uh, the Bible says here in our text in Acts chapter 10, notice verses 44 through 48. While Peter yet spake these words, the Holy Ghost fell on all of them which heard the word, and they of the circumcision which believed were astonished, as many as came with Peter, because that on the Gentiles also was poured out the gift of the Holy Ghost. For they heard them speak with tongues and magnify God. Then answered Peter, Can any man forbid water that these should not be baptized, which have received the Holy Ghost as well as we? And he commanded them to be baptized in the name of the Lord, then prayed they him to tarry certain days. I want you to think about being a part of that day. Peter must have been, wow, God, this is amazing. I'm so glad that all can be saved. Letter B in our notes, we see uh, Peter had to explain himself, his explanation to the Jews. We find that in chapter 11. We see in the apostles and brethren were in Judea, heard the Gentiles also receive the word of God. And when Peter came to Jerusalem, they that were of the circumcision contended with him. Can I tell you what happened here? When they found out that Gentiles got saved, they got mad about it. They said, hey, that's for us. We, we, don't, we don't want them to have that. Peter, what are you doing? What, what are you thinking? Why would you speak with those Gentile dogs? Why, why would you give a scrap to the dog? They were upset about it. And we see here that Peter... Uh, speaks to them. Uh, they were upset with him. Uh, publicans and sinners, as they would call them. Uh, dogs, as they would call them. Gentiles. I praise God that Peter started well. And he even explained to the Jews here in this passage. Uh, and we see in the book of Romans, we know as it is written, uh, there's none righteous, no, not one. We know the Bible tells us in Romans, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We all stand at the same place. 
We all stand the same condition before God. Acts 11 says, For as much then as God gave them the like gift as he did unto us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, what was I that I could withstand God? Peter said, hey, it wasn't me, it was God. And I, I can't get in the way of God, that was God's will. When they heard these things, they held their peace and glorified God, saying, Then hath God also to the Gentiles granted repentance unto life. Praise the Lord. We see Peter started well. I mean, Peter preached the first revival to the Gentiles. P Peter here is preaching and people are saved. And, and afterwards, he defends the work of God to those who would question why God would do that. Number two in your notes, as uh, Colton uh, taught last week, we see Peter being contrary. And we see this in Galatians 2 in our text uh, that we looked at earlier as we read at the beginning of the beginning of the message. So far, so good. Peter had been used by God. He'd preached to the Gentiles. He had uh, told the Jews, hey, it's okay. Uh, God wants them to be saved. And then we come to chapter 2 of Galatians, verse 11 and 12. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I was stood him face to face because he was to be blamed. For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles, but when they were come, he withdrew himself and separated himself, fearing them which were of the circumcision. Now, now we don't know exactly when this happened. Many Bible scholars believe it may have been around Acts chapter 15, uh, whenever Paul and Barnabas had gone to deal with those Judaizers, uh, but we don't know for sure. But I believe it was a good while after Peter had first preached to the Gentiles. I don't think it was the next day. I don't think it was the next week. I think it was quite a while after. Uh, but after that passage, we read no more of Peter in the book of Acts. The Bible says in Acts 15 verse 30, So when they were dismissed, they came to Antioch, and when they had gathered the multitude together, they delivered the epistle which when they had read, they rejoiced the consolation. And Judas and Silas, being prophets, also themselves exhorted the brethren with many words and confirmed them. And after they had tarried there a space, they were let go in peace from the brethren and the apostles. Notwithstanding, it pleased Silas to abide there as well. Paul also and Barnabas continued in Antioch, teaching and preaching the word of the Lord with many others also. Evidently, at some point in that time period, during the ministry of Paul and Barnabas, Peter came to visit them. Peter came to visit uh, those, and those that were of the circumcision showed up at the same time. They all kind of converged at the same time. Those that were trying to hang on to Old Testament law and trying to say, hey, uh, you can only be a real Christian. Uh, if you hang on to these laws and believe Christ. And then there were those that believed, as God had said, that salvation was by grace through faith alone. And they were there, and Paul and Barnabas were there, and Peter showed up, and there was a, a very varied group of people. And when they all came together, Peter made a mistake. Peter here, we see didn't want people to think badly about him. 
He, he didn't want to seem as though he had dipped his sails. He wanted those Judaizers, those that believed that you had to keep the law and Christ, he didn't want them to think ill of him, so he left. He separated. Uh, he said, I'm not going to eat with those uh, Gentile Christians. Uh, I'm going to just kind of get away because I don't want to cause any controversy. But by doing so, he became a critic. It was said by Teddy Roosevelt that no one ever built a statue to a critic. It's easy to be a critic. It's easy to be critical. And Peter had set himself up as a critic. The believer who is involved in the work of God needs to realize that there will always be critics. There will always be distractions and distractors. But our duty is to just keep going on. But Peter allowed himself to be on the sideline with the critics. Letter A in your notes, he left the Gentiles alone. The Bible tells us, if we look back at our text in Galatians, if you want to turn back there, Galatians chapter 2 and verse 12, it says, For before that certain came from James, he did eat with the Gentiles. But when they were come, he withdrew and separated himself, fearing them which are the circumcision. Can I tell you, the devil's goal for you is to be separated from other believers. By the way, his goal for you this morning was not to come and gather with other believers in the local church. And by the way, when you do that, just know you're following the devil's game plan. I believe the devil becomes very pleased with many Christians because they regularly miss church. They regularly don't gather with other believers. They regularly separate. Peter regularly here began to separate. He began to stay away from the Gentile believers. We see him pulling away. Why? Fear. Fear of criticism. Fear of being thought less of. Fear of being talked about. Fear of not holding the respect that he wanted to hold. The scripture says it was fearing those of the circumcision. Hold on a minute. This is the same Peter who stood and said, you killed Jesus. The same Peter that said, men and brethren, this same Jesus you crucified is the Christ. The same Peter that said, you can tell me not to preach, but I'm going to go preach in the temple. How can you go from that kind of boldness to, yeah, I'm just going to pull away. The same way Peter said that night. I don't know Jesus. No, I, I don't know him. And the Bible says he swore the third time and said, no, I know I'm not. You see, there was that possibility of denial. There was that tendency towards fear that was laying dormant in Peter. And here we see not a young man, but an older man who falls for that same fear that he did as a young man. The fear of man bringeth his snare, but whoso putteth his trust in the Lord shall be safe. 2 Timothy 1 says, For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love 
and of a sound mind. I'm going to ask you a question. I wonder how many of us have been saved for quite a while. Maybe before you came to Christ, you, you had a, a filthy tongue. Maybe you used to swear. Maybe that was your normal language. You got saved and your, your tongue got saved too. Amen. By the way, that's what's supposed to happen. But you know what happens once in a while? You're up on the roof, you got that nail in your hand, and you, you hit the wrong, the wrong nail, the thumbnail, and something really bad comes out of your mouth, like a bunny dingle, uh, something real bad. Hey, hold on. Why would that happen? Because it's still there. You're still in the same body of flesh. Can I tell you, how, how could Peter, how, how could Peter separate himself from these believers? Because the fear was still there. He had forgotten about it. He would put his guard down. But it was there. It was still there. Not only did he leave the Gentiles alone, but let her be in your notes. And this is the the most damaging thing, he led the Jews astray. When you separate, you affect more than yourself. By the way, when you sin, your sin does not just affect you. It affects others. I'm reminded of King David on his roof as he looked and saw Bathsheba. That sin of David affected Bathsheba. It affected her husband. It affected that unborn baby. It affected the nation of Israel. And can I tell you who else it affected? We read about it in the book of Psalms as David said, against thee and thee only have I sinned. David's sin affected his God. Here we see that Peter led astray some of the Jews. Look at verse 13. And the other Jews dissembled likewise with him. In other words, they stayed away from the Gentiles, Christians. They, they, they separated themselves. And this is what's amazing to me, insomuch that Barnabas also was carried away with their dissimulation. Hard to believe. Hard to believe. Peter separated himself and saying, I'm not going to be with those Gentile Christians. I'm not going to be with those that believe it's just grace. Affected other believers and even affected Barnabas. Barnabas, one of the great heroes of the faith. Barnabas, a man who made a wrong choice here as well. Peter was a hypocrite. He believed one way and acted another. And can I tell you what happens when we are hypocrites? We cause others to be hypocrites. We lead others to follow us. How sad it is that Barnabas also became caught up. He got caught up in this mess. He was collateral damage of Peter's wrong decision. He was Paul's mentor. Co-laborer, faithful man. 
Oh, praise God for Barnabas. Praise God for the ministry of Barnabas. But Peter caused Barnabas to slip too. Peter's decision affected others. It's important for us to realize that there are those watching us. There are those that are following where we go. Years ago, we were driving across Saskatchewan. And as we were driving, we hit a freezing rainstorm. and Our vehicle started doing circles. That's never a good thing. It's really never a good thing when there's a trailer behind your vehicle. And that's what happened. The trailer came uncoupled, rolled out into a field. We slid off in the ditch. And praise God, somebody came along, got us back on the road. My trailer's still in the ditch. We're idling on the highway trying to get to the hotel we had in Regina. And as we're on our way to Regina, we didn't, hadn't gone much farther. Not even pressing the gas, just white knuckling on the wheel, praying, oh God, help us not die. And all of a sudden, while I was just literally idling, not even touching the gas, our van, we hit the ice. We went out into a field. It became a long night because the first guy that came to try to help us, he didn't know what he was doing. Praise God, he, was, he had a great heart. But he had no ability. <laughs> and he got stuck. And then somebody else stopped to help us, and they got stuck. And somebody else stopped to help us, and they got stuck. I know it sounds a lot like a country song. I, I promise I didn't write the song, but I could have that night. <laughs> and it, there was a big truck that came. I don't know if they were Hutterites or not. Uh, but the big truck finally came and drove out in the field and got all of us loose. But a lot of people got stuck because I was off the road. A lot of people got stuck because Peter got off course. Christian, a lot of people get stuck when you get off course. And oh, nobody, nobody follows me. Now, I'm not going to affect anybody. Yes, you will. We always affect somebody. We lead others astray. Paul uh, would go to Peter about it. Why? Because Peter was leading people astray. Peter was getting people off course. That's why it's critical we let God guide our steps and not others. It's why it's critical that we use the Word of God as our only mode of direction. When we begin to say, oh, I know God's Word says this, but you're already in trouble. You're already in trouble. If you can't mesh your decision of the Word of God, you're going against God's Word. Oh, I feel or I think or God told me. No, He didn't. You're a liar. Your flesh wants something. Peter went outside the bounds of the Word of God, led people astray. And then we come to this passage in Galatians 2 that you would never dream would ever happen. As Paul has to correct Peter. But we see number three, Peter being corrected. Your new notes this morning. Peter being corrected. In Galatians 2.14, But when I saw that they walked not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, 
If thou, being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as the Jews? Here we see the reprimand in Scripture. We see Paul coming to Peter. Now, Peter was not a wicked man. Peter was not a lost man. Peter was a Christian who was off course. But, but Peter has some authority, but he was off course. And he was leading others off course. He went to help Peter get back on course. We see Paul's rebuke there in verse 14. Paul's rebuke, letter A in your notes. One of the great lessons here in this correction of Paul. I want you to notice what it does not say. Paul did not gossip about Peter. Paul did not go to others and say, hey, did you know what Peter did? I can't believe Peter. I can't believe the way Peter's acting. I want everybody to know, Peter, he's really off course. We don't see that happening. Rather, he went to him. The Bible says he withstood him face to face. Paul went to Peter. He didn't go to other people. He followed the biblical model of correction here. It was personal. For Paul to have spoken critically about Peter to others would have been just as sinful as Peter separating himself from the Gentiles. You know what we like to do? We like to justify ourselves. <laughs> oh, it's okay if I talk about brother so-and-so because, you know, he, he did wrong. It's okay for me to tell everybody about it. I'm justified. No, you just want to be a gossip. You have the same sin. You're like that scriptural reference in the New Testament trying to take that little, little speck out of your brother's eye where you got a beam, a telephone pole sticking out of your eye. But Paul didn't do that. Paul didn't gossip about him. Paul didn't go to other people about him. Paul went to Peter. Proverbs 6 verse 16 says, These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, seven are an abomination to him, a proud look. Well, we got a lot of that today. A lying tongue, and hands that shed innocent blood, the heart that deviseth wicked imaginations, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies. And the biggest ingredient we have in our world today, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Paul was not a sower of discord. Paul was not an instigator trying to cause problems. Paul went to Peter. Paul confronted Peter face to face to help Peter. Ephesians 4.29 says, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the edifying that it may minister grace to the hearers. In other words, God says if, if what you say doesn't help somebody, don't say it. Oh yeah, but this is the truth. I got it. The Bible says if it's not good, don't say it. We have a real struggle with that. Why? Because when we share someone else's bad, we think we're making ourselves look better. When in reality, those that have some wisdom and those that have some understanding of Scripture see those that share bad of others and go, well, that brother's struggling. That sister's having some issues. And we understand that it's not a matter of lifting oneself up. Rather, you're getting deeper and deeper and deeper yourself in the same sin. Titus 3.2, to speak evil of no man, 
to be no brawlers, but gentle, showing meekness to all men. And James 3 is a wonderful passage. It says in verse 2, For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and also able to bridle the whole body. Behold, we put bits in the horses' mouths that they may obey us, and we turn about their whole body. Behold, the ships, which though they be so great, are drawn, driven in the fierce winds, yet are they turned about with a very small helm, whether it's over the governor listeth. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasteth great things. Behold, how great a matter a little fire kindleth. The tongue is a fire. A world of iniquity, so is the tongue among our members, that it defileth the whole body, and setteth on fire the course of nature, and is set on fire of hell. For every kind of beast, and of birds, and of serpents, and of things in the sea, is tamed, and hath been tamed of mankind, but the tongue can no man tame. It is an unruly evil, full of deadly poison. Therewith bless we God, even the Father, and therewith curse we men, which are made after the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceedeth blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not so to be. We see here that Paul rebuked Peter, and we see that he went to Peter face to face. Upon his appointment of General Joseph Hooker to the command of the Army of the Potomac, President Lincoln wrote this letter and sent it to this man that he would appoint as general. This is the letter. General, I have placed you at the head of the Army of the Potomac. Of course, I have done this upon what appear to me to be sufficient reasons. And yet, I think it best for you to know that there are some things in regard to which I am not quite satisfied with you. I think that during General Burnside's command of the army, ye have taken counsel of your ambition and thwarted him as much as ye could, in which you did a great wrong to the country and to a most meritorious and honorable brother officer. I much fear that the spirit which you have aided to infuse into the army of criticizing their commander and withholding confidence from him will now turn upon you. I shall assist you as far as I can to put it down. Neither you nor Napoleon, if he were alive again, could get any good out of an army with such, with such a spirit prevailing in it. And now beware of rashness. Beware of rashness, but with energy and sleepless vigilance, go forward and give us victory, yours truly, Abraham Lincoln. President Lincoln said to this man, you've been critical of your leader. And you've started a, a festering wound in the army. I'm putting you in charge now, but just know the wound is there. You're going to deal with the results of it. I think in some ways President Lincoln was saying, okay, you wanted it? I'll give you the result of what you wanted. That same vitriol that he had towards his leader, he had bred into his followers that would have the same look at him. We do the same thing 
when we criticize others, when we go about not face-to-face. We breed that same problem. The cause of Christ suffers when his followers speak unkindly of others, of each other. John 13, 35, By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples, if ye have love one to another. Last week, I had an, I emailed a pastor who asked me a question about a couple of pastors and some things said by one pastor about another and my statement to him, I said, both of them are good men. Now, did I agree with what was done? No. But they are good men. They're my brothers in Christ. Christians, when we learn not to separate and not to divide and not to cause division, but rather to try to help. We make great strides for the cause of Christ. We make great strides for going forward for Him. Luke 6, 31 says, As ye would that men should do to you, do ye also to them likewise. Jesus had once more singled out Peter for correction before the other disciples. And Paul did the same thing. Paul used it, by the way, as a teaching moment. I think Paul's heart was to help Peter and to help those that were getting sidetracked. I don't think that Paul was you know, trying to hurt or harm Peter. 1 Timothy 5.20, we have the words that God gave to Paul to pen to young Timothy, the young preacher. Them that sin, rebuke before all that others also may fear. We have the Old Testament principle in Proverbs, open rebuke is better than secret love. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. By the way, this was not a matter that Paul needed to bring before the world. It was a matter he needed to bring before Peter. And how powerful it was, that help. The Bible tells us, and this is, This is New Testament doctrine and principle we need to understand. Paul was following here. Matthew 18, verse 15 says, Moreover, if thy brother shall trespass against thee, go and tell him his faults between thee and him alone. If he shall hear thee, thou hast gained thy brother. If he will not hear thee, then take with thee one or two more, that in the mouth of one or uh, two or three witnesses every word may be established. And if he shall neglect to hear them, tell it unto the church. But if he neglect to hear the church, let it be unto thee as a heathen man and a publican. We see the principle here of going direct. Paul went to Peter. We see the the rebuke of Paul to Peter. Galatians 6, a few chapters later in Galatians says, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one, In the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Verse 14 in our text in Galatians 2, it's very plain. Basically, he said, hey, Peter, if you're not following the Old Testament law, you're not following all the traditions of the law of the Old Testament, then why are you telling other people they have to do that? doesn't fit Peter Peter if you believe that salvation is by grace through faith then why are you acting like and telling folks they have to keep the law 
because those two things don't equal. They, they don't match up. It's easy to get distracted from the primary truth. And Peter got distracted. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul, Paul is confronting Peter. He rebuked Peter because Peter got distracted. Letter B, and we'll close with this. We see, I want you to think about Peter's response in verse 14. But when I saw they walk not uprightly according to the truth of the gospel, I said unto Peter before them all, If thou being a Jew, livest after the manner of Gentiles, and not as do the Jews, why compellest thou the Gentiles to live as do the Jews? So here's the question. What was Peter's response? How did Peter respond? We don't know exactly. The Bible doesn't record it. We know the Bible says a wise man will hear and will increase in learning, a man of understanding will attain in a wise counsel. Proverbs 9 says, Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee, rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Proverbs 12, 1 says, Whoso loveth instruction, loveth knowledge, but he that hateth reproof is brutish. Proverbs 15, 10 says, Correction is grievous unto him that forsaketh the way, and that he that hateth reproof shall die. Proverbs 15, 12 says, A scorner loveth not one that reproveth him, neither will he go unto the wise. We don't know exactly what Peter's response was. We, we don't know how he reacted in the moment. It doesn't record anything here in the book of Galatians. And the further activities of Peter aren't even mentioned after Acts chapter 15. So we don't know from Galatians or the book of Acts how Peter's response was. However, we see a pattern. That Peter, when he was corrected, all of these lessons, yes, hard-headed, yes, volatile, uh, yes, he engaged his mouth before he engaged his brain. And by the way, that's one of our biggest problems. Yes, he had some serious problems, but every time we see Peter corrected in Scripture, we see Peter receiving that correction. Peter, now even a more mature believer. We don't know. The Bible doesn't give us exact representation. But we do know that Peter did not stay offended towards Paul. So, Pastor, how do you know that? How do you know that he wasn't offended? Well, we know that Peter was used by God to pen the words in 2 Peter 3, our beloved brother Paul. Amen. Peter had an affection for Paul. Hold on. Paul withstood him because he loved him. Because he loved him. Because he wanted the best for him. We know that Peter remained faithful until he was martyred. That martyrdom that Christ would tell him of in John 21, verses 18 through 19. It would be a wonderful thing today if as believers we would show love towards those that try to help us, Amen. even when it's difficult. Correction. 
I remember laying in a hospital bed when I was, I think, 11 years old. Laid in that emergency hospital bed because I had two broken bones in my left arm. And those bones broke and they came apart. Compound fracture. And the doctor had to set the bones so they would heal. And the doctor said to my dad, Mr. Rice, we need to put him to sleep and do a surgery to set the bones. And my dad, I remember I was there when he said it. He said, do you have to put him to sleep? And the doctor said, no, but it's going to be tremendously painful. And my dad, not because he hates me, <laughs> my dad was fearful for me to be put under, said, I don't put him to sleep. And I was laying on that bed. My dad was holding my, my shoulders down. There were nurses holding all, all on either, either side of me. And Dr. Choi, I'll never forget his name. I still hate him to this day. <laughs> Dr. Choi said to me, Brian, what I'm going to do is I'm going to set your bones. He said, so to do that, and the doctors are holding me down, the nurses are holding me down, my dad's holding me down. He said, I'm going to have to lift your hand, spin your arm, and set the bones back down. And he said, now it's, it's going to hurt. By the way, that's the only honest thing he said. <laughs> and he said, I'm going to do this on the count of three. That was not an honest thing he said. He said, one, and when he said two, he lifted my hand about 15 feet in the air. He spun it around uh, 50 or 60 times and then slammed it back down. At least that's what it felt like. Oh, it hurt. Now, my dad was holding my arms, my arms down. Had my dad not held my arms down, as a 10-year-old boy, my reaction was, I wanted to punch that man as hard as I could. I wanted to crack him right in the jaw. Oh, it hurt. I was mad. He hurt me. He told me he was going to count to three. You know, he didn't do that because he was a wicked, evil man. He did that because he was a good doctor. He knew that if I was, if I was flinching and waiting, that it would be harder. Said, but yeah, he hurt you. Yeah, because he was trying to help me. By the way, my arm works. Nothing else in my body works today, but this arm still works. <laughs> Christian, we need to learn to love those that care enough about us to help us. Be you followers of me, Paul said, as I'm followers of Christ. There are times when we're going to need correction. We need to take it. A wise man will hear and will increase in learning. And a man of understanding shall attain into wise counsel. Can I tell you what we learned from Peter? The devil never stops swinging. The devil never stops swinging at Peter and trying to cause him problems. By the way, he's not going to stop at you either. May we stay faithful. May we be consistent. And may we learn the lessons that God has for us. Let's pray together. Lord, I sure thank you for loving us. Thank you for your graciousness towards us. Lord, we fail you so often. We struggle. We lead others astray. Lord, I thank you for those who come alongside of us and correct us. Those who come alongside and encourage us. I thank you for those faithful wounds from a friend. 
Lord, I pray you'd help us to stay consistent, to not veer off course. God, help us to not separate. But Lord, as the book of Hebrews reminds us, to be faithful, to gather together so much more so as we see the day approaching. Lord, bless us now. Thank you for the wonderful lessons we can learn from the life of this one of thy choice servants. Bless us now. Dismiss us with your grace. In your precious name we pray. Amen.